0: This is Inspiring Minds, a podcast focused on thought-provoking conversations between BSB students and our world-class faculty. Thank you for joining us on the Inspiring Minds podcast. It is VSB's faculty student podcast. My name is Alex Reister. I'm a senior marketing major with a minor in international business. I'm from Edina, Minnesota. And today I am joined with Dr. Beth Vallon, associate professor of marketing and business law here at VSB. And we are here to discuss her uh, research paper. It's called The Squander Sequence, Understanding Food Waste at Each Stage, of the consumer decision-making process. So thank you for joining me today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: What made you want to research food waste?
1: I think, Alex, the magnitude of the issue got this group of authors interested in food waste. A third of the food produced globally is wasted. That's a lot of food. And it's a lot of food, particularly when you think about facts like one in nine people globally are undernourished. And if you take that to the US, one in six Americans say that food runs out at least once a year. So when you weigh these two issues side by side, we're wasting a lot of food and many people don't have enough. That sort of set off some interest for us in terms of seeking solutions as to how we can mitigate one problem that will help the other.
0: Could you explain a little bit more about what the squander sequence is and why is it important?
1: Absolutely. So the squander sequence looks at food waste that occurs from agricultural processes all the way down to the hands of the consumer. So food waste can occur at any part of the distribution channel. Up the chain, it happens in agricultural production. So there are fields of produce that maybe go unharvest. It could also occur with food that is harvested, but food that could be wasted or lost in transit because of damage. It can be food that reaches the retailer but doesn't meet consumer preferences for what they'd like to purchase and is discarded and then finally at the hands of the consumer it can happen at any point it can be that food that's left in your refrigerator that's never used that is wasted it can be the leftovers on your plate that are thrown away so we wanted to create a model that captured food along this continuum to reflect the various points in time where food can be wasted And we focused primarily on waste that happened from the point of sale to consumer disposition. And that was because what we really wanted to do is focus on consumer solutions. And if you look at food waste globally, most of the food that is wasted in developing countries occurs before that food ever reaches the hands of the consumer. And that's because of things like less developed infrastructure that makes it hard to get that food harvested and and to the hands of of those who are going to consume it. And in developed countries like the U.S., the majority of food waste happens at the hands of the consumer. So that's where we kind of anchored the squander sequence in terms of deriving these solutions that consumers can keep in mind that can reduce the amount of food that is wasted. And
0: in your uh, paper, it talks a little bit about how younger consumers are much more likely to be wasting that food. So could you talk a little bit about why you think that is or maybe some stuff that you found through your research?
1: Absolutely. I think a lot of it is cultural. I think of my grandparents growing up through the Great Depression and wasting food was not something that you did. And I think for younger consumers today who maybe were not faced with that level of economic hardship, that practice just hasn't been something that has been culturally accepted or part of the culture of the U.S. like it was 50 years ago.
0: Do you have any ideas on how younger consumers can become more efficient earlier in their life, or do you see that as something that can really be, like, tackled?
1: I think that it can be tackled. I think that through educational programs, you can teach people what food waste means. I mean, when you look at how much food is wasted by individuals per year in the U.S., somewhere between $600 and $1,500 of usable food per person is wasted, I think you can communicate the implications of that. It's economic. If you look at the dollars that are wasted, there are environmental issues. And I think if we can talk to people about the implications of wasting food and highlight the importance of not wasting food, we can start to sort of change those cultural norms surrounding food waste.
0: I know in the paper it talks a little bit about educational campaigns that have been done in other countries and have really had a lot of success. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about those
1: some of the newer campaigns that have been run, one was done at the retailer level by a French retailer, and they ran a campaign where they highlighted the usefulness of imperfect produce. So the apple that's not perfectly round. Many times, that apple could not be picked from the tree, it could just be left to rot in the field because you're incurring additional costs when you when you harvest that fruit, or it could be rejected by the consumer when it's a perfectly edible food item. And so Intermarché, the retailer who is utilizing this campaign, uh, has sort of a tongue in cheek campaign where it's showing you that these products are good and should be purchased. And and the campaign has been met with some success. I don't know if that message would translate in the United States, but certainly other messages could translate in the U.S. And so I think it's a matter of looking at differences in consumers to see what those potential drivers are.
0: How do you think that the cycle of imperfect food that contributes to the waste system kind of be disrupted? Because if consumers are always demanding those perfect apples or the lettuce that's pristine, how will retailers know that when consumers change their mind about that
1: I think the important piece of this is changing consumer expectations and and what's acceptable at the minds of the consumer. And that's what some of the campaigns in Europe have done. They've, They've set out to say imperfect food is edible food. And in nature, apples aren't always perfectly round. And sometimes an outer leaf of lettuce is slightly bruised. And it's still safe and fine to consume. As individuals, we have an inherent tendency to believe that What looks beautiful is good, and it transfers into a lot of domains, and food is one of them. And it's based on our evolution. We're looking for foods that are safe to consume. And when something looks perfect, we assume that it is safe, and it transfers to our judgments about the food item. And I think if we can reach consumers to tell them that your food doesn't have to look perfect to be edible, that's how we can start to break the cycle, to teach them that the imperfect foods are safe to consume. And once we do that, it eases the burden placed on the retailer to put out these large displays of only perfect looking items. So that reduces the waste at the consumer level and also changes the way that farmers harvest and distribute their food. So if a particular crop doesn't meet the standards of perfect, it can be left unharvested. But if there's still consumer demand for it, it will be harvested and sent to retailers. So I think a lot of this is just reflective of consumer expectations and preferences. And so if we can change those, it changes the products that can be put through the distribution channel because they become acceptable to consumers.
0: At Villanova, what are we doing to reduce our own food waste and improve our own sustainability?
1: That is a very good question. Um, Dining Services has taken action recently to repurpose food because a lot of food is wasted when food is served in large quantities to a number of people. So you think about cafeterias where you place a wide variety of food in a large quantity out. Some of it at the end of the evening is uneaten. And so Dining Services is now repurposing between 100 and 200 pounds of food daily. And so they have been sending this food to the Sunday Breakfast Mission in Philadelphia so that that food can be repurposed. And there's also been a big push within Dining Services to compost, what is able to be composting. So although the food is not repurposed for consumption by other people, it's also not just simply sent to the dump.
0: I was wondering if it had any effect on your own behaviors in terms of food, cooking, uh, just kind of how you live your everyday life, and did knowing all this information actually change your own consumer behaviors?
1: It has changed my own behavior by really forcing me to look at my own behaviors from the way I behave when I'm shopping down to the way I dispose of food for myself and my family. So I think after writing this paper I'm much more aware of things like the quantities I buy. To not be swayed by those big value deals at the grocery store. It's not a good value if you're not going to use it, if you're going to waste it. So being aware of of what I'm going to do with the things that I buy and then trying to repurpose the things that might be left over to save it for a later use and to make sure that I'm I'm using to the best of my ability the food that I purchase.
0: What story do you want to tell with this research? What do you want to tell consumers?
1: I think the story that we're trying to tell with this research is that the magnitude of food waste is large. And it's not merely consumers. It's all players within the distribution channel. And we believe, the authors of this paper believe, that really taking a step back to figure out the different drivers of waste at each step in the sequence, why is food being wasted or lost in agricultural production? Why is it being lost at the hands of the retailer? Why is it being wasted once it gets to the consumer? If we can really iron out those reasons, then we can start building solutions to address those issues.
0: Thank you uh, for tuning in to VSB Inspiring Minds. And thank you, Dr. Beth Fallon, for joining me today. I had a really fun time with you. Thanks, Alex. Thank you for listening to Inspiring Minds. Stay tuned for our next installment featuring more VSP students discussing research topics with our world-class faculty.